Oh shit. I can't wait to get back on the road again. Back again. Dude. Like throw the baggers. Back home again. Back home again. In Indiana land. What's up everybody? Welcome to Dirt Yard Dish season five, six, seven, eight. I don't know what we're on. Episode three, though, that's the important part of the 2023 edition of this show. I'm your host, Commissioner Brendan Dudas. I'm joined by Blake Boris, Taylor Carpenter, and the shirtless Thomas Hopkins tonight. If you're watching on YouTube, you get a little bit of a treat. How are you guys doing? Let's start with Blake. Blake, what's going on? How are you? Doing all right, man. Uh, I've tuned in the past two podcasts. Uh, you guys are getting me excited. Wanted to hop on, chat some about these player values. Out a baby. Tay, you hanging in there? I know last week the topic of discussion was the outfit. This week you're you're just rocking a plain little crew neck. You decided to give Thomas the spotlight. What's up? <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, it was a good time last week. I'm happy to be back. Chilling. Got the ret- retro suns hat. We need to uh, – we got to recolor that for the CCW colors. That's all right. Thomas, we're all jealous. It's January 23rd. You're sitting in a hot tub. Your wife is somewhere near you feeding you chocolate-covered strawberries. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, nice and wet, ready for the season. What did he say? Oh. Nice and wet. There we go. That's the CCW CCW mantra heading into 2023. We're nice and wet, getting ready for Whipple Ball. So we're talking free agency 2023 tonight. Last year was the very first year that we tried the free agency process. Just go around the table, immediate reaction to last year's results. Do we feel like thumbs up, it was good, thumbs down, bad? What do we think, Blake? I mean, yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, Won another title, uh, which was great, uh, personally. But no, uh, in terms of free agency, uh, yeah, I think – league-wide the excitement uh in the off season was something completely new that we hadn't experienced before um so we're ready you know i'm ready to build off of that and see where it goes this year taylor and blake you guys were in the same boat as players taylor what free agency last year what'd you think i liked it liked it good good excitement i agree with with, with what blake said and thomas what do you think as a manager first year of free agency tough like it I know you have a, a player on your team that you're you're trying to retain. I don't know that I won't spill any details on that, but I mean, if my team had won the championship, uh, my response would be the same as Blake's. But we came in last, so <laughs> I think the system sucks. But the ball little, system. No, it worked. It worked out uh, pretty perfectly. Any team could have uh, done better. Any team could have done worse. It was. Uh, I think it worked out the way we wanted it to. I agree. I think the the standings were really compact, and we'll talk about that at the end of the the episode and kind of go through um, the regular season standings, which is the basis of the data we have. Anything can happen in the playoffs. You saw that with Rudy and the Yackers, and and I mean, I think the eight balls getting upset in the championship was proof of that as well. So first thing we want to do is just kind of go through the player valuation process, which we, if if Slack allows ten thousand free messages to be sent, I think we burned up nine thousand nine hundred of those in our discussions about how to go about this player valuation system. And that's kind of the reason you three are involved is because I know you three, maybe more so than anybody, is willing to let your voice be heard, argue with me, argue with each other, and ultimately come out with the, with the best result that we can. So going, going into 2023, we're sticking with the two values, hitter value and pitcher value. Our hitter value is runs created, which is a Bill James stat. 
um, it is, and then we take it per AB. So we go runs created per at bat, and then we multiply that number times the average number of league at bats. The idea is just to take a guy like Taylor or myself or Will Smithy, who's going to get the the high number of at bats, and average them down to put everybody in that same scale. Uh, the pitcher value is our fielding independent pitching stat, which really just penalizes you for giving up a home run or a walk, and then you get credited for pitching an inning or striking someone out. And with CCW, Thomas is going to roll his eyes here with the fact that we don't keep fielding stats, we don't count that uh, the fielder's choice. It's really hard to to kind of take into account how fielding might affect the game, so we just take all of those other values out and really only count things that, that affect the game up directly from the pitcher. So home runs, strikeouts, innings pitched. We do that on the per innings pitch basis, and then again, multiply it by the average number of innings pitched. And then something, I don't think we did this last year. Thomas, you might've kind of convinced us to bring this back. We ranked each stat one to 50 again. And so you could you could tap out at 50 for each one and produce a total player value of 100. And Will Smithy this year became the first player um, to ever do that. And I think if you went back over the history of CCW slash Indy Southside Wiffleball and you you went in the past, I don't think any player has ever done that. So Will Smithy 100, everybody else falls in between. So I think Austin Ollis is a case where he was the number one or number two rated batter but didn't pitch at all. So he's right up near 50, um, about the max you can be as a, as a batter or pitcher only. So that's where we're at. That's just Cliff Notes version of how we kind of decided these player values. So when you add the play, the pitcher value and the hitter value together, every player is going to be from 100 down to zero um, and somewhere in between. And that's how we do. So Thomas, heading into this, we've made some big changes to the roster creation process, to how we're going to go about free agency. Can you run us down the big changes that we've made um, and tell us a little about each one? Yeah, the big changes, uh, the first one is who roster size. We've gone down from seven to six. Uh, the primary reasons for that, uh, we're expanding to seven teams. Taylor's going to have a new team, so we want to make sure we got enough players. Uh, I think everybody in the league agreed we really didn't need that seventh spot. Um, as filled by a lot of new guys who did not show up toward the end of the year, so... Um, those, that's the big change. The next one is uh, the cap space. Uh, we are going to have tiered caps, uh, which the goal for that will be uh, to make sure teams are more balanced, uh, to make sure somebody like Taylor doesn't go with somebody like Reed and then pick up a couple of uh, lower value guys. Um, am I missing any of them? Is that two big ones? The other big one was, and, and something we yeah we went back and forth on as a group was that pitching tier. Oh, the pitching tier, yeah. So we we ranked our top seven pitchers in the league, uh, and we are requiring each team to have one top tier pitcher, uh, with the hopes that uh, every team will have one sufficient pitcher and it's more balanced. Uh, and again, to prevent a team from going out and picking up two, and you know running the table with two pitchers. Uh, Hopefully these rules uh, work out well. I, I think all of us agreed they will. Um, so it'll be exciting to see. And it, it kind of takes a little pressure off all the managers too, knowing they don't have to, you know, if they miss out on one, they're still going to get a good pitcher. I agree. So so we we went just on, on last year's pitching value stats. This, the seven tier one pitchers 
are Smithy, uh, Reed, Tay, Buckman, Sprinkle, Holden, and Dustin Dowden. Are there any surprises in that group? And any of you can speak up that either you, you feel like maybe that's not in that group. Are there surprise guys that you feel like should be tier ones or guys that you feel like might drop out of that group? I think Mike's going to get there, Mike Witty. Mike Witty, I guess. At yeah, some point. Uh, and his, his arm talent alone is there. Uh, he's just got to get it all figured out. And I think he's going to be a shoe in next time we do this. Yeah. Right. I definitely agree. Yeah, the, sh the short list of guys that are kind of on the outside looking in, Rudy, who we know yeah. as, as one of the more consistent guys, I think last year was just a little off. Um, and we have he and I have spoken. We had a lot of external factors kind of pulling our attention elsewhere. But now with the national tournament gone, I can see him refocusing, dialing it back in. Um, and Aiden Palmer is always a wild card. The one, Mike Speak Sr., who if he gets the innings, he's going to jump right in there. I mean, he's a, he's a shoe in for a sub-3 ERA every year. Um, it's bias likely, if he, you know, if he finds the board. So a good list of guys there that I think hop in. But like Thomas said, the goal here is to make sure that every team has a bona fide ace. We know that these seven guys, if you give them the innings, they're going to produce like an ace. And I think that's important, especially I would, I would compare wiffle ball to the NBA, like five starters. If you have a LeBron James, he's going to, you know, extremely alter the, the, you know, the success and the, effectiveness of your of your roster so just having that one guy is going to be big time for a lot of these teams um you said drop down six players i agree i think the moon shots blake you guys only used like five players yeah here, i think right? so yeah we had yeah. j mac on our squad but he didn't play and even was, was walther signed to the moonshots i believe sort of yes i think he might have been your rookie so <laughs> we're kind of just trying to we initially said that it was a good idea to expand rosters, get more more guys some experience, but now we're kind of dropping it back down and saying we want every single player on the roster to matter and to have some sort of role. So it also develops those arms too, you right. know, that yeah. are maybe not throwing or haven't thrown in the past. Like for me, example, I may have to throw more innings. So it's I agree. just continued development of those middle tier arms. I agree. And that's the big thing and, and you see pitchers like struggle towards the beginning of the season and then by by mid to end of the year they figure it out and then the playoffs are done and next thing you know they're we're at dinner drinking beers and they're talking about how they wish they would have pitched all year but it's we just have to get these guys innings and get them some experience so yeah i think uh i think i think i said it last week but i think it'll be kind of a thing where the the second pitcher it's going to be tough to get a really good second pitcher so you may see two mm -hmm. guys be a 2a and a 2b um, we kind of fill that role that just one guy would fill in the past. Uh, right. So. Right. Absolutely. So Thomas touched on the top two, three, and four cap. That's big time. Um, we don't know the numbers exactly yet. We're going to continue to keep those under wraps until a later date, and we'll talk about that later in our episode here. But basically your top two players are going to have to adhere to a cap, your top three, your top four, and then there will be a, a cap for your overall six. And like he mentioned, that's just to prevent two studs from teaming up and basically dominating. Because if you have two of the top five players on your team, I honestly believe that the rest doesn't matter, especially if you can feel, fill it in with, you know, good fielders, good players that are that are good on the base paths and, and just smart wiffle ball players in general. Any any other points there on our policy changes? I think Blake's going to touch on the last big one here in a second. But any other any other points you want to make? No. Okay. Nope, nope. 
So Blake, we're changing the timing of free agency. Last year had some issues that I don't think we really predicted would happen. But as soon as like we released the process and things started falling, I was like, son of a son of a bitch. I, this this should have been seen. Um, so what what are we doing differently this year? Yeah, so um, the player value and salary cap info, uh, it's going to be released two to three days after registration ends uh, for the league. So, um, yeah, that'll pop up and it'll probably the floodgates are going to open and the texts are going to start flying. They already kind of have, um, but especially once people see those numbers, um, it's going to get pretty wild. Right. So for comparison, last year, as guys signed up and, and managers would reach out, we, I kind of gave them the sheet and I was like, here's where our cap stands. Here's what this guy's value is worth. And we got to the start of free agency and I could put together just as an outsider texting everybody, I could put together every single roster just based on the information that I had texted people. Um, and that, that was kind of went against what we were trying to accomplish with the free agent February. So your experience as a player Tell me a little bit about that. What what was how did it work for you as free agency? Because the rest of us in here, I guess Taylor, you could touch on it too. But Thomas yeah. and I were managers. I was signed well in advance uh, before I was even supposed to be announced. Right, right. Uh, Will and I, I mean, Will and the rest of the team that we could fit, I guess, excluding Reed, had all agreed to uh, to run it back, and yeah, so there weren't any surprises there. I wasn't probably as exciting for me as it was other people in the league who maybe switched teams. Um, this year, though, it's definitely more exciting. I have no idea where most people are going to go, whereas last season I had a pretty good idea uh, where things would fall in the league. Thomas, Thomas or Taylor, how does this work for you? So your roster, I guess all three of us, we have rosters that are going to have a ton of turnover from last year to this year. Taylor, you're starting an entirely new squad from scratch. Yeah. Does this new process make you nervous or do you feel like you've got a, a good handle on, on the direction you want to go? I feel like I know where I where I want to go and it's just I mean, but we're in the same boat. Even though I even though I do have access to the numbers, I still don't know what the cap is gonna be and things like right. that. So it still is a it's a pause when thinking about it, you know. Um so I, I mean I've I kind of enjoy that for everyone. I do like I like thinking about the different pairings in the league. That would be good, uh, just teaming up together and things like that. So I, um, I think it's nothing good. Thomas, what about what have you what have you texted your guys? What have you told them this off season? Reed Reed is the the big question mark, right? Because he's rumored to heavily be on the market. He's looking for a new squad. I um, I, mean, I think he fits best with your team still to come back there. So what have you texted everybody? I've texted everybody the process that, you know, what we just discussed with the, the the values will come out a few days after February. Besides that, I haven't done a damn thing. Right. Um, I'm kind of in the opposite boat I was last year where, you know, I knew I had the second pick and it would be Reed. And then after that, I could fill in with my usual guys. Uh, this year, I don't, I, I've looked at the numbers and, I, you know, I've, put them in the same way everybody else does but i'm not taking anything serious until the numbers come out because it's pretty pointless um i mean you can talk to guys i haven't talked to reed which will which will most likely bite me in the ass uh but mostly mostly it's because i've heard the rumors as well and i know he probably wants to play with somebody else this year and not come in sixth place um 
which I'm not upset with, I understand. So I'm just probably waiting to see how it shakes out and which tier one pitcher falls in my lap and sign a few of my regulars and go from there. Right. I wouldn't let I wouldn't let Thomas fool you. I'm sure Sign Solutions is going to have the first ever NIL deal for uh, Reed <laughs> Werner coming out this season. And I'm wait I'm waiting for that. I mean, you kind of I say it jokingly, but I'm waiting for that stuff to start happening. If it's it's going on does, in college and high school, so the seniors deal not count last year where he's buying people shoes and stuff. That has to count. <laughs> what do you think, Tay? Was that a big? Did he swing you with that, or were you consider? Were you locked into the eight balls from the? No, I, I was locked in previously, but it was. I mean, it definitely was nice and appreciated everything. Senior, senior did he? It was from, good. Being, I want you to spill some info here. From being inside the group chat, did he convince any players to join with the lure of two jerseys, um, you know, free drinks, moonshine cherries, turf shoes? Did was that a was that a luring tactic for anybody? I mean, definitely a talking point. Yes, right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was it was discussed, but how much influence it had, I'm not sure. But right, so yes, yeah. so yes. So Thomas mentioned it. He said, "You know, we we have the preliminary kind of idea of the numbers, but I want to I want to reiterate the four of us don't know the cap, and until that, it'll probably be February second. I would say that that gives us plenty of time to work on it. I'm going to wake up that morning." And kind of work on work, work through the cap and release it as soon as we feel comfortable with that number. Boom, push it out, and that'll be the first that all of us know exactly what that number is. We have an idea. I think anybody could kind of look at last year and figure out an idea and piece together some things. But for the most part, I think it's really just going to be a thing. Someone said, "Open the floodgates," like where it's going to open up and everybody's going to start texting people and and trying to put together a competitive roster. Me being naive and kind of hopeful last year, I waited until February 1st to start texting people, and they're like, oh, man, you're late as hell. Like, I've already signed with this team. And that happened to, like, the first five guys I texted. So um, rough going last year. I'm looking forward to this year. I completely agree. Any other any other things you want to add in terms of the new, the new process? All good. Let's move on. So we asked for some questions from – from the group, we came up with some on our own. Taylor, All right. uh, we'll dig into some of these and and just give some, I guess, some writing prompts. Let's talk. Yeah. All right. The mailbag. Let's get in there. All right. Uh, let's all pick a player uh, who will outperform their value and uh, why do you think so? Uh, we want Blake. You want to start off? So sure. outperform the 2022 value, yeah, right? Yeah. What they did last year. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's going to be Simo, uh, and the reason being is he was on a loaded roster last season. Um, so our goal is to get more competitive and, like I said earlier, develop those middle tierish arms. Simo uh, didn't throw a whole lot of innings last year. Uh, I'm hoping he throws a lot more. We know he's got some velo. Uh, we know he can hit the board. So if we see him throw more innings, I think he's going to skyrocket. The man's already a stud at the plate. He's one of the best hitters in the league, I think. Uh, so he can only go up in my mind. I agree. It, it kind of seems too as the eight balls have gotten better around him. He's felt like he hasn't had to do as much. Maybe I don't. I'm, I'm just kind of reaching for stuff here. Um, I think once he gets back to the point where he feels like he's being leaned on, you're absolutely right. He's going to step up, and he is a stud. One of the one of the sweetest swings in the league. Oh yeah, Thomas, you want to give us yours? Yeah, I've. Uh... I couldn't decide, so I've got two. I picked a pitcher and a hitter. Okay. And uh, I'm going with a couple of veterans that I think this year will bounce back. 
the hitter being Tyler Punt. Um, I'm agree. hoping. I'm hoping he had a down year. I mean, right. his 2021 was uh, up there with you know me and Bundy as far as value, and uh, you know that's what he's capable of. Uh, and last year could have just been a down year, and he's going to bounce back and, and be right back up there, uh, which would be an enormous jump for him again. The the pitcher, I'm going to go with uh, senior. Um, I think he's going to be thrust into the role of having to pitch again, and uh, we've all seen him pitch. You know, he could very well be in that tier one next year, uh, just by a, the fact that he throws strikes, he gets outs, um, and that's where I, I think he'll be. I completely agree on both of those. I I wrote those down as as two ideas. Uh, mentioned senior earlier in the podcast, but Punt is kind of the guy that. It was a little disappointing last year. I know he was, you know, he's banged up. And, and when you get hurt, you have to learn to adjust and, and style your game a little differently to play for it. Um, but he started to show like a little opposite field pop and he could place the ball around. And I think if he really leans into that, he becomes a completely different style, but still really effective hitter. So I agree. You guys you guys on board with those two? Yeah, I think so. And looking at, I think another one is Dylan, uh, Dylan Jones. I just – little bit of a down year at the plate and I just I think he can explode if he gets in the right in the right setting the right mind mindset so he's kind of mild mindset's the biggest one with him like we oh yeah yeah definitely. we've been teammates in the same lineup with him and some really competitive settings and right. seen where he just transforms into a completely different hitter. yeah no, I mean he, he's I mean sometimes he just doesn't miss sometimes and that's that's fun to play with so hopefully he gets he gets a little more back to that but we'll see I was about to say, I think like the the beer gets flown out of the dirt yard. Things get a little bit lax, and like his yeah. his approach, he's a very approach dependent guy. Have you guys ever had a conversation with him about wiffle ball hitting? I can he's just like, tell. By he's the way, up, he's, yeah. yeah, right. He's up there like sitting pitches. He knows that like in certain counts, he's going to lay off this, or he's not really trying to look for this pitch. So if you beat him with a drop ball when he's not looking at, he's going to tip your, tip his cap and just hope that he beats you when he guesses right. And I don't even want to call it guesses because he does his homework and he knows exactly what guys are, are, are throwing and, and when they're going to throw it to the point where he'll come. I'm more of like a kind of feel and just let it rip type hitter. I think Taylor, you're probably in that same boat. So Dylan will try to have those conversations with me and I'm like, shut up, dude, shut up. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to talk about it. You're just going to, you're going to mess me up. So hit ball, hit ball. That's what I agree. I mean, he's, I mean, he dials it in. I think, I think you're, you're on top of that one. Yeah. Um, for me, my player is – I'm going to go I, – I, I think I had two as well. Um, one of them was Tyler Punt because of how down his last year was. The second one is Landon Ball with you, Taylor. Um, yeah. Last year he was hidden on a really good roster. It was his return to the league. And when he was with you on the big ballers, he dealt. I know we were a little yeah, closer, yeah, yeah. medium pitch. You know, he was a guy that was notorious for getting away with throwing a little harder than everybody was comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, he was an a he was an ace. Right? Yes, yeah. dude. Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was definitely our ace. He was so good. Back. And yeah. I think if you get him on the bump and you get him enough innings and you keep him healthy, he's he's gonna be a guy. It's, he's a guy that didn't have any pitching value. So I think those are the right. targets we have for our most improved guys, our guys that are gonna add value this year. And then Dark Horse most improved is also another guy on your team. I think Austin Allis. Um, he has no room for improvement hitting, but again, you say he's got a cannon. He's an athlete. If he throws, if he throw, if he's your number two, he yeah. jumps up into the 75, 80s range very easily, and becomes like a top three 
most valuable numbers player. So uh, those yeah. are my two guys, both on your squad. Which yeah, I think he, was throwing, he was throwing yesterday, so I think that's a that's a comfy spot to be in as a manager, knowing you have two guys that um, could easily outplay their value. Okay. All right. Um. So now let's go over uh, next question here. Uh, which players saw the biggest jump in their value? Um, so th this is this is value from 2022 to 2023, just from what we know, correct? Just right. And if we want to, uh, I, I mean, like if we want to look at 2021, if we want to look at trends, we can do that too. I just kind of listed yeah. the guys that jumped off the page really yeah. quickly. All right. Yeah. Um, so we got uh, Ryan Vogus, um, Holden, D. Louis, Gerchiff, and Hayworth are the names listed there. Uh, you guys have any thoughts? So these are the biggest jumps, right? Um, correct. I'm trying to think. Vogus Vogus's jump was big compared to last year. I think he was pretty banged up last year, but the when he came down and played the year before, very similar numbers. Yeah. Um, Holden is in the exact same boat where last year's production. I, was he on your team, Blake? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Was he a moonshot? Yeah, barely showed yeah, up. A while ago. Yeah. So his production before the moonshot year was was up there with this year's production, but it dropped off. So that's the reason. D. Louis. I'm going to leave that one to Thomas to talk about. Super impressed with his, with his growth and um, projection as a player. Thomas, what did you see in D. Louis last year? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, outside of some of the, the regular guys that are at the top who, who work really hard, you know, D. Louis is one of the hardest working guys in the league. Um, almost always the first guy to the park. Uh, always out there working on his game, willing to talk to us, trying to learn the game. Um I could very well see him making another jump this year if he keeps putting in the work. Uh, you know, he loves wiffle ball. He's he's following the league. He's all about it. And, you know, for a young kid, that's exactly what, what you need to do. Um, you know, I'd love to see it if, if I even if I can't afford him this year because of that jump. Um, I'd love to see him go to a team and, and continue that trend. I couldn't tell you how many times uh, I would go warm up. We were playing a game and like Witty was throwing or something wasn't in the board. Uh, and I would go warm up just in case. And D. Louis was over there throwing balls before I even got right. got a bucket. So yeah, he does. He works his ass off. He really does. And the best the best part about D. Louis is he's got a rubber arm. Um, I don't see him, you know, knock on wood, being injured at any point soon. He's he can throw two hundred pitches and you know go right back out there and warm up again and throw another two hundred. Uh, and that's that's huge in our league. Obviously, we've lost a lot of pitchers to injuries and. If we can have a guy like that keep improving and, and not get hurt, uh, that just helps the league that much more. I'm glad you touched on that because a lot of times you'll go look at our stats through like a baseball lens in which you're expecting to see a three or four ERA and call that good. D. Louis ERA probably came in around six to eight, I want to say. And that's a, that's a really good ERA for a number two pitcher who you're just asking to hit the board because ultimately you're saying keep them to six or seven runs. Let's go outscore them. But if you're a pitcher that lets it get out of hand and get to, to 12, 15 runs, then you're not you're not you're not giving us a chance. So D. Louis does exactly that, gives you a chance, hits the board, keeps the game moving, which is maybe the most important skill of any number two pitcher. It's not a skill I can claim. Um, so really respect the work he's put in and the growth he's made. The yeah, last one's go ahead. Well, one one last thing about it. It's really crazy and, and nobody else probably in the league saw it except me and, and our team was, you know, that six ERA is predominantly from two two bad games mm -hmm. um, first first game of the year where he was figuring it out and, and had one or two bad innings and then obviously our, our playoff 
meltdown when Rudy decided to go nuclear and, <laughs> and hit everything out. Um, you know, Cade caught fire and, yeah. and D. D. Louis just happened to be on the short end of that stick. Right. You know, I think I went back and I, I did the numbers. If you take those two out, you know, he's just barely underneath the tier one pitcher, which sounds crazy, but he, he threw a lot of strikes for us Hit last year. It was, was an awesome number two for us. Right. Hit the board. You guys play good defense. Um, Bundy and, and you out there are, are vacuums in terms of, especially with your age, uh, we add that in. So um, he just hits the board, man, and I, I do really respect it. Gertschiff and Hayworth are my last two biggest jumps. Gertschiff um, weirdly saw a decline in his hitting, which sophomore slump's a very real thing. You come in, have some success that, that first year. It's hard to carry it over. Um, with expectations. So we dropped a little bit there. His value jumped because he had to pitch, and he did so um, fine. Like I said, hit the board. Um, some of the better hitters could jump on him and, and take advantage of, of the fact that it wasn't moving a ton. But again, like same boat as D. Louis, you hit the board, you're going to add some pitching value because the most important thing is throwing strikes and eating up innings, especially for a team that needs to save innings for their, their starters. And then James Hayworth, his big jump, he didn't throw this year. Um, so his big jump came at the plate and I, if we think back to it, you know, exactly how he really leaned into his style of hitting, which was to be an absolute menace and take his walks, take his singles. He racked up total bases, uh, savvy base runner and, and really made big jumps there as a, as a left side fielder. I can't stand seeing James Hayward step into the box. That man could place the ball anywhere he wants on the field. It doesn't make insane. sense. With the yeah. ugliest swing. I know. I know. <laughs> At the same time, the prettiest swing, if it works every time. I mean, yeah, you just throw the bat out there some some way, and it's going to connect right. and go right down the third baseline about right. two feet. And Guys, Andy's smart. And that's the I thing. Know, in the playoffs, he took his walks when he knew Rudy and yeah. Cade was coming up behind him. Um, you know, some of the – us probably or the little more selfish and will swing for the that solo home run and mm -hmm. you know we only get it one every four or five at bats but uh james took his walks and it, it paid off for him right he's got that knack like uh chris metter is that what his name is yes from, from skibby skibby yeah, yeah. he kind of reminds me of him a little bit it's exactly it's the same exact approach i agree okay tay all right biggest drop so those were our biggest jumps yeah, now on to the, the drops from your year. We got uh, TP, Tyler Punt, Michael Plord, Wilsey, and Dil uh, Dylan Dowden. So start with Tyler, uh, TP. Yeah, just – and so I want to preface this. If if you have a guy on this list that you were probably counting on to, to produce, I'm going to assume your team was um, – your team performance was a little disappointing. So you'll notice there are no um, eight balls, moonshots, or I think – was Wilsey on the Yackers? Yes. But maybe not as many innings. So those top three teams don't have a guy who landed on this list. They had they signed the guys and they performed at or above the way they thought they were going to. Um, I think the biggest drop was Tyler Punt. And Thomas, you'll probably admit that he killed, you know, your chances at offensive success last season, right? Uh, at times. No, I don't want to put it all on season. his shoulders. That, 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 that was no. unfair of me to say, but. No, it was. I mean, our our woes were all three of us. Uh, yeah. You guys are you guys are watching the the aging of a team in real time, and uh, all three of us take half a season to to get loose. Right. Um, he just didn't bounce back in the second half of the season, and you know, I he's shown that he can, and I'm hoping he will next year. And the, I guess the silver lining that, of that is that now you get him at a at a discount, right? 
and you're hoping yep. that he outplays that. So he's in a completely different boat, and it'll be interesting to see how he flips that narrative and, and goes about his work. Uh, for me, Michael Plourd, kind of expected him to come in, um, hit the ball at a replacement level, and pitch a little bit for us. And um, he honestly didn't either, but it's not something I would complain about. We had some guys step up. Um, Dawson Murdoch, who I really enjoyed playing with. Cody House played really well, hit really well. Uh, but but Michael really just wasn't as, as active and involved as we needed him to be in terms of being like our third or fourth best player. So he kind of, um, it, it, you know, it made it tough to work around. Uh, Jay Wilsey is a guy who I'm trying to think where he produced his value. Let me go look at it because I'm not entirely sure. But he had a pretty good 2021 if I'm – not mistaken, right? Yeah, produced 11 hitter value, 9 pitching value, and both of those numbers got cut. He went from 11 to 3 and then from 9 to 2. So really just struggled to find the field and be productive in his roles. And then Dylan Dowden uh, for the Hounds, and you'll notice this theme for the Hounds where they produced, I think, only 122 total value on the season. And Dylan Dowden is, is probably the highlight of that group where had a really productive few years and Jones was kind of counting on that and it just didn't come to fruition. So I think it probably takes some time to to get back into the swing of things. And Dowden is a guy that I would expect to rebound. You guys have any points you want to add to those that group of guys? No, I don't think so. I'd... Good. Move on. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Alex Gurchev asked a hell of a question. We'll we'll kind of end with this and then we'll finish with one bold production uh, prediction each. But he asked if the teams carried over, so we took last year's rosters, slapped this year's player values on them, how do the values stack up? So this is basically asking the value they produced last year, you know, let's compare them to the standings, basically. So the Moonshots came out, they finished first place, 12-8 and eight record, they produced a 213 total value. The 8-Balls, second place, they had one more win, 13-7, and seven, produced a 247 value. That's number one in the league. That's just their top... Uh, six players too so I think they had an additional player in Kyle Gagliardi that we didn't even add into that um, and we all know the eight ball scenario and it's largely due to Austin Ellis being yeah. zero costing zero last year right. the Akers third place at 197 which is the third place value the Hounds were the lowest value they went nine and eight with a 122 and that's what Dylan pointed to when he said I think I'm coach of the year I did the most with the least the short shorts came in fifth place Eight and nine record with a 183 value, and I think that is the fifth place total value. And then the pork pistols were a bit of an anomaly. Six and 11, 197 value. Um, we looked at them and just said a lot of your wins, a lot of your losses were, were pretty unlucky, right? You just had some some stuff not go your way. Um, and that six and 11, I felt like easily could have been an eight and nine um, right up there with everybody. So my immediate reaction to this is to kind of realize that our, our total values are reflecting the standings um, pretty accurately outside of the outlier in the hounds, right? Um, and that's dependent on Jerry Sprinkle kind of carrying their team on the mound. They win a lot of close games. But outside of that, I think they pretty accurately reflect how the season went. Um, and I'm super happy with those numbers. What do you guys think about them? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the outlier too with the eight balls, I mean, they were the number one seed going into that playoffs so um honestly you guys should have won unless right. but but will came through in the clutch and, and won it for <laughs> us so number one player yeah yeah 
So we got, I would say, like, I don't, do you guys remember what our cap was last year? One, 195? Was it? I thought it was two, I thought it was over 200. What? Okay. Yeah. Well, it was 195 to 200 something, like really right around that 200 value. So I think we only have two teams who are overvalued and it's the moonshots and eight balls. And that's exactly the problem we went out to solve this off season. So I think when we can go back and look at it and our numbers mirror exactly the problems or the successes we think we're having, then we're on the right track with these numbers. Um, and I think we're doing the right thing. One change. I, I was an advocate for averaging their last two years of play. And Thomas, you really pushed back on that and said, said, let's just do last year's value and let's do that every year. Right. Because situations change. What was your, what was your main point um, in making that the case? I just think that, you know, we changed things up last year. We, we made teams more balanced and, you know, I thought we saw less anomalies by doing just last year. Um, you know, or the year before when teams were out of whack, it was real easy to, to have stats that were skewed. Um, and I just felt like going into this year, if we, we take into account consistency with the rules, uh, we'll see more consistency this year with balancing teams out. I agree. And, I, and you know, I came around to agree with you there, um, which isn't easy to say I agree with Thomas Hopkins, but I do hear like, and I think the big one is, is Tyler Punt. Like that man's probably never going to pitch um, a reasonable amount of innings anymore. Like, is that probably true to say? Yeah. I mean, if we get two innings a game out of him, I think we'd right. be pretty excited. And on the two year running average, that would take into account his 2020 season or 2021 season in which he, he pitched a lot and pitched well. So um, players' situations change from year to year. And Thomas, you know, really came out and argued that we need to take into account that those situations and then just use our eyes and our common sense to go around and discount certain players that we feel uh, need to be discounted. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think it's important to let the people watching know that, you know, we I think we said 100% change from from 2021 to 2022 yes, good, point, good point we we did go through and and uh you know i'll say alter those but we we came up with a formula to balance it out um you know to keep guys from from slacking on purpose uh in order to keep their value down you know not not to say senior did it on purpose but right um we all agreed that you know his decrease in value isn't indicative of his true value so um and I think only taking 2022 into account made for less of those guys. So Good point. I'm, I'm glad you said that. And we brainstormed some ideas, like you said, some discounts. And we came up with the injury discount, the missed year discount. And then we discounted guys who just didn't meet. Like if you pitched one inning and magically struck out the side, your per inning pitch value would be through the roof. But we went through and, and made note of those guys and, and, and cut that value way down. Um, so the, uh, just to name a few guys, that this kind of happened to Alec Buckman, he missed a year. So we discounted him 10%. Plus we went back and used the median of his 2020 and 2021 seasons just to, to have an accurate depiction of who he was before missing that season. Cade Luker only pitched half of the median innings pitch. So we cut his pitching value by half. And then, like you said, Mike senior, we gave him a 10% discount because he played through injury the whole year. And that was one we kind of talked about. We felt like his injury really affect, affected his value throughout the season. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, last thing we're going to do before we hop off here, let's throw out one bold prediction each. It can be 
a player you think is going to go to a team, a team you think is going to struggle to sign players, uh, maybe a big trade goes down, maybe um, a team jumps out and wins a title this year that you're not expecting. So we'll go around the horn. Tay, you want to start first? Oh, shit. All right. Uh, uh, just like at the dinner table where you want everybody to order first? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I'll just have to go with all this will lead every offensive category there is. That's bold? Did he not? Is every single one? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. That's true. Yeah. Allis, so Austin Allis leads every single category, becomes just the third player in CCW history to win the, the uh, Triple Crown. That's Tay's yeah. bold take. My up? Yep. Alec Buckman, Cy Young. Alec Buckman, Cy Young. I Welcome like that. Welcome back, big fella. Right. And you're going to have to find out if he, he's going to need to get into the gym throwing bullpens ASAP because a year off from throwing is rough. Alec Buckman, Cy Young. So we've got two awards. Thomas, let's do – you and I, let's do um, some free agency-based ones. Oh, shoot. I was going to – Oh, go ahead. If you have one, that's fine. I was just going to switch it up. My, my bold prediction was that the Moonshots aren't going to win the title this year. That is bold, too. So three-peat's not happening. Nope. What's the main reasoning behind that? Uh, I think he's going to struggle to to find a, a reliable second pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think the the new cap space, him being a, a 100, is he's going to have to get creative. Um, and, you know, another year of the league seeing him, not that he isn't the best player in the country in my opinion, but, you know, at, at some point we're going to figure him out and uh, knock him off his throne. Right, and I don't know that you ever solve him, right? But you figure him out enough. You beat him one of the games, and then you take down his number two pitcher. Um, it is important, I think, that we know. I think Mike Witte fit like Mike Witte of last year fits into the new salary cap system of this year. So he has to find the new Mike Witte, and that's always going to be Will Smithy's project every season. If there's a guy outside of senior that can find a pitcher, develop him, and turn him into a really solid second arm, I think Will Smithy's the guy that I'm going to pick for that. So. But good, good prediction there. Um, my prediction here, let's see. So we've got the tier one arms. I'm trying to decide. I think the Dowdens team up and go back to the Yackers. Both of them, their value jumps. I think I honestly, I'm tabbing the Yackers to win it all um, next season. That's my bold prediction. Um, I think Rudy, with a lot of the, the things off of his plate, he can refocus himself. I love the Dowdens as a duo. They're going to be a good get for whoever signs them, but I think that the comfort of going back to the Yackers is there. I think they go to the Yackers, and I think that that group, that they win it all. That, I'm, you said bold. I'm going bold. That's what I want. I, I just saw the Yackers in the playoffs last year. That team was completely different than the team that played in the regular season, and that regular season team faced aces week after week um, and still battled, so I respect it. Okay. We have anything we want to plug? Anything you want to you want to shout out? Thomas, do you want to? Do you have a, a hot tub sponsorship that you want to you want to throw? Yeah, how long have you been in there, man? I know. I'm I'm getting pretty <laughs> shriveled, guys. We're gonna have to take going. <laughs> I get panicked when I get in hot tubs. Like the hot air makes me like feel like I can't breathe. So I don't know. Yeah, how yeah. And I'm naked, so I can't just hop out without my neighbors seeing. Completely naked. First podcast episode ever done. That's what he's plugging. Thomas Hopkins, Hall of Fame. That's what he's plugging. Blake, you have anything you want to plug? Uh, just the registration. Get registered before it ends so we can get on this uh, and see all the values and get all excited. Good. That's what I was going to plug. Tay? 
Lamar Toppings. You know, Lamar Toppings, baby. That's funny. I just created. I I bought two K and I I downloaded it and made my new guy and and named him Felix Babcock, which was my my version of Lamar Toppings. Yeah. So nice. Lamar Toppings and Felix Babcock are the duo. Uh, the thing I'm going to plug, I'm just back to registration. It ends at the end of January. Managers be on the lookout. It's going to be February. I'm going to aim for February 2nd. I'm going to say February 2nd at noon. We are going to open the gates and let you just have at it. We'll start doing our free agency. And what's going to happen, I guess I should talk about the process just really quickly. I'll give you access to the sheet, and you'll be able to go on there. When you click the link through the website, circlecitywiffleball.com, slash hot stove it'll take you it'll make a copy of the sheet for you and it'll have a team builder in which you will be able to type names in and it'll automatically populate that value it'll calculate your cap space and do everything for you so that's the super nerdy stuff we've been working on as a as the player value team um and that's what i'm really looking forward to and we are by the time this releases a week away right yeah yeah so yeah. hopefully by the time this releases on wednesday we're all enjoying a snow day none of us have to go to work or anything so there we go. Gentlemen, it was an absolute pleasure. This was fun. I think this is the most exciting thing of our offseason, so I'm glad we could all do this together. And I really appreciate all of you being on the uh, player value team with me. Oh, yeah. Always, man. My love. All right. From naked Thomas Hopkins to good-looking Blake Boris and Lamar Toppings, this is Brendan Dudas. It's been a blast. Peace. Wait to get back on the road again. Back again. Dude, let's throw the back Back home again. Back home again. In. 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 Nice and wet, ready for the season.